Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And uh, we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. <coughs> Excuse me. I just wanted to look a little bit at our notes from our last class. And we were basically looking at John chapter 8, verses 39 and 40. Uh, the whole context where the Jews are talking to Jesus and Jesus is talking to the Jews. Uh, and then they bring in Abraham and how the Lord says basically that they are the complete opposite of Abraham. Whereas Abraham lived in a continual expectation of the appearing of the Lord throughout the entire land when Jesus appeared on the scene and these Jews, these Jews were present they they did not rejoice in his appearing as Abraham did so we kind of covered that <clears throat> our last class and just the just the reality that um that what God has done is fully and complete in His Son, and we enter each each individual soul enters into that fullness and completeness at the moment of new birth. And yet, at the moment of new birth, we are completely ignorant of the One who's present, and that is the issue of the ages whether we know the one who is present or not and of course the only way we can know the one who is present is if the father himself reveals him and that is a work of God a work of the spirit that no man can do no man can accomplish this just as no man can cause himself to be born again that is a work of God, a work of the Spirit. It begins with the miracle of God and it continues unto the end with the miracle of God. <clears throat> so, that's kind of what we were looking at in our last class. And I'm not sure exactly how far we got. Uh, and I'll, I mentioned this, i got to say this, I mentioned this during my Spanish class. Sometimes I uh, make little notes on where I ended, but uh, this, this, this class is actually a, uh, I don't know how you call it, like a bilingual class. Uh, I, do, I, do the, I use the exact same notes and I teach a Bible class in Spanish. Uh, sometimes, as always, the class is a bit different, but the notes are the same. So I'm not exactly sure where I ended the English class portion of the class or the English uh, class itself. But today I wanted to continue. Yeah, I didn't get that far, I know, because it's down over here. I wanted just to continue uh, just reading some comment commentaries uh, concerning that passage. And I'll go ahead and read the passage again, our context passage. And it's John chapter 8, verse 39 through 40. And it says... Uh, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And I just, I just want to make mention of this first, that if you read the whole context of John chapter 8, the Jews that Jesus is speaking to at this moment 
are those that believed in him. Excuse me. So it's not just uh, Jews in general. These Jews, specifically right here in this passage, are those that believed in him. And I was just looking I was just thinking about that and just looking at the context of it and just how I mentioned from the last class how Abraham lived in the expectation, in the divine expectation of the appearing of the Lord throughout the land. Everywhere that Abram that the Lord himself brought Abram throughout the land, it was to only discover the one who is present. And Abraham lived in that divine expectation and he rejoiced in, in that he would see the Lord. And that's, um, that's, it's in context. Uh, that's one of the verses either before or after, forgive me, I know I've, I've covered this in previous uh, classes, but I just want to just make mention of that. Again, let me look real quick. It'll take me just a second. <clears throat> yeah. In verse 56... Let's see, I'll make, I'll make a note right here. And I know in previous classes we've really looked at this a lot, but uh, in verse 56, Jesus says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And was glad. And we looked at that word rejoice, and what it means, it, it means kind of like jumping up and down, you know, I mean, or jumping towards, leaping, leaping towards. It's not just, yay, you know, and there's nothing, it's just, yay, just that. No, 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 there's none of that. It was, it was a, like the divine expectation so governed his heart that he leaped forward unto every appearing of the Lord. The Lord mentioned it this way with, uh, with the children of Israel crossing the Jordan. And he said it this way. Forgive me, I don't know the verse reference. But he said, basically, set the ark out before you. And I can't remember how many cubits, maybe 200 cubits out before you. But it was before them so that they would have something to aim for something to go for, something to look forward to, something to lay hold of. And the Lord says, and when you see it, go for it. And they did. And they did. Right here, Abraham has that very same exact expectation. And really, I think it's just the expectation that was in the heart of Abraham, the divine expectation was now governing the children of Israel with the ark in front of them. 
They had something. They had something in view to look forward to, like uh, a goal. So Jesus said this: Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and not only does it say that he leaped forward unto the scene of Christ himself that he he just didn't like say like okay no but he actually there was a motivation governing his heart there was an expectation governing his heart so much so that he leaped forward and not only did he say that Jesus says and he saw it The very one that Abraham saw by faith from afar is the one every single born-again believer is to see by faith. But not from afar. Now it is from within, nigh, even in you. During the time of Abraham... God was one place, man was completely another different place. But because of the cross, because of the Lord, the death, burial, and resurrection, at the moment of new birth, God isn't one place and man another. No. Now God is within, dwelling within. The very exact same uh, divine expectation that governed the heart of Abraham is to govern the heart of every single born-again believer. And nothing less. If you think about it, just, just think about this. Abraham was about 400 years before the law. With Abraham, God didn't have the list of do's and don'ts the way the Christian you know, religion of man will present it. You know, they, will, they will present the law and basically what they do is present the list of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And God will be pleased with you. Well, for one thing, that was never the intention of God. It was not a list of do's and don'ts. You can search it out in the scriptures. When Moses came down the mountain with the two tablets, they're called the tablets of testimony. It was a testimony and it is a testimony of Christ that he was presenting unto all the children of Israel. God, by Moses, was presenting yet once again the testimony of his son. And man will do what man always does, tries to apply it to himself. So then man says, okay, I can do that. Yes, we can do that. And that's in fact what they said. Yes, we will obey. We will do that completely missing the point of God altogether. God intended one thing, man received it as something completely other. You know, and that's what we do uh, by default. It's only the the tender mercy and ever bounding grace of God that the Spirit of the Lord continues preparing the ground of our heart beyond what we think, beyond what we know to come unto the one, unto the end that he has in view, that he already knows, that he already knows. <clears throat> so that was the thing with the, the testimony of the law. So reading uh, again, 
They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And basically he's just saying, If you were Abraham's children, and I know he says it uh, in this chapter, you would act like your father. You would, you would do what your father did. Well, I can't remember if I mentioned it in this class or not. And that is a true statement. Every, every, what's the word? Every child will have the characteristics of their parents, will act like their parents, have the same kind of uh, features as their parents. All right. With a born-again believer, it is so. All right. I think John said it this way, and this, this, this will make a little more sense. John said it this way. Uh, something like, if you're born again, you cannot sin. Something like that. And so we look at that and like, we read, impossible. That's crazy. Well, think of it this way. If you're born again, uh, I need a different diagram for this. Christ, who is your life, does not sin. Therefore, your life does not sin. The thing is, with a born-again believer, we're just completely ignorant of our life. And that's the difference. At the moment of new birth, listen to this, God Almighty is our Father. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, is our life. Apart from His Son, God would not be our Father. But at the moment of new birth, because the Son is present in the soul, God is our Father because He is the Father of our life, who is Christ. Now, I know that can be a little wordy, but I'm trying to make it as clear as possible. Now, the thing is, and you, you can look at this across the board. You can look, I mean, we do it all the time. You can look at uh, the Christian religion as a whole, the church as a whole, or even as an individual looking at yourself. You say, well, they don't act like God, or I don't act like God. Well, when we say that, what we're looking at is something that's not our life. And I'll just use my, myself in this, as an example. When I look at myself, that which I believe to be my life, I'll look at that and very naturally I'll, I'll have to confess, well, that's not like God. There's no characteristic of God there. completely ignorant of my life that is present. 
because I'm looking at something that is not my life, completely ignorant of the one who is my life. And see, when I behold the face of Christ, by the tender mercy and ever-bounding grace of God, when He brings my heart to behold the face of His Son, who is my life, my confession is, He's the perfect image of the Father. He is the perfect nature of the Father. He is the very glory of the Father. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And this one, Christ himself, is the life of the believer. There's a huge distinction in between what we believe to be our life versus what God knows to be our life. Or shall I say it this way, who God knows to be our life. There's a huge distinction, a huge distinction. And I think I mentioned it in the last class where uh, I think it was the Apostle Paul declaring the mind of God where he says, um, I would not have you ignorant, but that you would know. And that's, that's the continual prayer. That's the continual prayer because the issue is always one of whether we know the one who's present or not. And I'm speaking of those who are born again. Because if the person's not born again, if there's a soul who's not born again, then Christ isn't present. He's not present in the soul. But God desires that, listen, His Son have His appearing in a soul, so therefore, you must be born again. But He declares that to the soul that's not born again with purpose. Unto a land I will show thee so that he can continue revealing his son uh, in the soul. Or actually begin revealing, excuse me, begin revealing his son in the soul. And basically the appearing of the Lord continues. So we were looking at uh, John chapter 8. <clears throat> excuse me. I'll put this over here. And uh, I'll just read the verses again. Uh, verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And see, that can be condemning, with a, with, as, I, as I stated, with a believer looking at, uh, looking at Abraham and then you know, comparing themselves. And just to how I've mentioned all this about Abraham, Abraham rejoiced. He was governed by the divine expectation and he leaped forward unto the appearing of Christ. And not only that, he saw by faith from afar he saw Christ by faith from afar. And it's very easy to read that and say, well, I'm just not like that. And once again, we're looking at the wrong man because by default, we are looking at ourselves. By default. My, I've got I've to say this. My wife is uh, reading a book. It's neither here nor there. But anyway, in this book, I like, I like talking about stuff like that. It makes it real simple, at least for me. In this book, there's like this, I don't know, it's like a, a spy type movie or something or a book kind of like that. But uh, in it, there's, there's this, I guess there's like a jump drive or something and it has a video on it. And everybody's trying to find the treasure, the clues 
in this video. And she told me about this. I'm just kind of thinking about it, you know, just kind of thinking about what she's saying. But they're watching this video and everyone's studying it to find the clues, to find where this treasure is, because that's what they're doing. They're, 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 ser- they're searching for a treasure. Well, so they view it, they study it, and the thing is, is that, sure, there's a video there that they're watching, but there is another video behind that video that they completely don't know anything about. They don't even know it's there. But you need a code to unlock and move the other video out of the way to see the real that's there. And I was just thinking about that. You know, even uh, even with the Scripture, how we can read the Scripture, study the Scripture. And please, please do not misunderstand me. We must read the Scripture. We must study the Scripture. We must bear our hearts open unto the Lord in reading the Scripture and ask that He would use these that are the light of the testimony to bring us unto its full and expected end, the Son Himself, the person Himself. Because how else will our hearts be prepared except they be prepared by the testimony? How can our heart be prepared except there is some expectation in the heart? How can, how can we desire to see someone who's present if we have no clue that he's present or if it or that he can even be seen or known in such a manner, right? So we do need to search the scriptures. We do need to study them. But we also need to know that, just like that example that I was giving you, that we can study this, get all this information, and yet miss the one whose testimony this is. This is only a testimony of the real, of the one, of Christ himself. And just uh, as my wife was mentioning it to me, we can study this, we can look at this, and we can read it and study it back and forth. We can learn it and yet completely miss the one who's present or exactly, or excuse me, the one whom these scriptures are testifying of who is present in the soul of the one who's born again. And only God the Father can reveal this one. And that is... That is the key. And I don't want to call it a key or anything like that. That's, that is the difference. That is the difference. Uh, one is... Excuse me, I'm getting ahead of my notes because it's kind of on my heart. <laughs> one is man's working, man's doing. The other is what God forever does. What forever pleases the Father, His Son. So, I just wanted to mention that. But uh, with that passage in John chapter 8, verses 39 through 40, I wanted to read this uh, commentary, and it's John Gill's Expositor. Excuse me, my cough drops. I'm moving around. And I want to read it, and I want to make a couple of uh, 
comments on my own because I, for some reason, I wrote a whole lot of comments around this. But it, uh, concerning the, the verse, verse 40, uh, John chapter 8, verse 40, But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. Uh, this did not Abraham. And as, as I mentioned, I've covered this just in, I guess, in my own words, in my own commentaries in previous classes, but now we're looking at the commentaries of others and stuff. All right. So this is John Gill's expositor for John chapter 8, verse 40. It says, This did not Abraham. The sense is not the sense is not that Abraham did not tell the truth. He had heard of God, for he did instruct and command his children after him. He did do this. Uh, for he did instruct and command his children after him to walk in the ways of the Lord. And I love that. To walk in the ways of the Lord. And the one verse that I think of is when the Lord, I think, is telling Joshua to tell the children of Israel, or the Lord is just telling the children of Israel, and Joshua's present as well. I led your father Abraham throughout all the land of Canaan. So to walk in the ways of the Lord is to walk in the divine discovery of the one who is present. The one who is present. That's it. The divine discovery. And I love that because discovery implies that it's there. Just in general. Discovery implies that it's there. You just don't know it's there. I think uh, last week I may have used an example of when I was a kid wanting to be an archaeologist. I wanted to discover the treasures of the past, the treasures that I knew were there, listen to this, hidden in the earth, but had to be uncovered. But so much greater than that. Paul says it this way, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be of God and not of man. We have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. The treasure that is there and needs to be discovered and that needs to be discovered. So, to walk in the ways of the Lord in the divine discovery of the one who is present and I've got a note to look at uh, Lamentations chapter 3. And forgive me, I, uh, I can't remember why I wrote this verse down, <laughs> but I'll go ahead and read it. This is Lamentations chapter 3, verses uh, 20 through 26. And it's in his phrase, to walk in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 20 my, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me this I recall to mind therefore have I hope this I recall to mind therefore have I hope let me, let me look at it in a different in a different app it'll be just a second here I want to do this because I want to be able to pull up Strong's image real quick. I love this. Uh, That word, hope, 
This I recall to mind. Therefore, therefore I have hope. It's uh, hope is Strong's number 3176. It's basically in the Strong's uh, dictionary. It says a primitive root to wait by implication to be patient. Hope. This I recall to mind. Therefore, have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They, verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Verse uh, 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. And uh, it's the exact same word, hope. There again, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I'll read it again. Verse 21. Or verse 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. So right here, it's like where it starts. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's uh, the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And it's not that God's mercy goes from one day and then it starts a different day. No, no, no. L- listen to me. The mercy of God is forever present. We discover his mercy new every morning and once again, when, I, when, I, when, when we look at the word mercy, it implies two things going on. One, who is powerless and has no ability to change anything. And one, who has the ability to change completely. And in mercy, the one who has the ability can change. There was... Uh, I think it was blind Bartimaeus when he heard that Jesus was passing by and he starts crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they tell him to be quiet and he just louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Why? The man found himself in a state that he could not change or in a condition that he could not change. Well, for the born again believer, the condition and state is changed at the cross, at new birth. At the moment of new birth, the condition has changed from the condition of death being present to the condition of life being present because Christ is now present. From the state of death being present to the state of life being present because Christ is now present. The only difference is to see, to know the one who's present. So there's blind Bartimaeus. Have mercy on me. And then the Lord, who has all ability to change the condition for blind Bartimaeus, the Lord, who has all ability, listen, to make the believer know the change, K-N-O-W, to know the change that came at new birth, says this, what would you have me do for you? What do you want? And remember, blind Bartimaeus is asking God Almighty 
for mercy. And the Lord responds, what do you want? Most beautiful answer, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And he heals him. And then it says, blind Bartimaeus followed him, followed Jesus in the way. Followed him, well, okay, back to our example with Abraham. Followed him in the way. So, back to uh, back to verse 23 of Lamentations, chapter 3. Uh, they are new every morning. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And here's what it is. I used this example in my Spanish class uh, because it's a it's a not so quote unquote spiritual example, but it's a good example, right? Think about this: the center of the universe, or the center of our galaxy, is the natural sun, right? It's there. It the thing is full of light, full of brightness. and it's a consuming fire as well. But it's there in the center. Now you have the earth. You've got planet earth that, listen, that by nature in its natural orbit orbits around the sun. You see, you see the focus? Do you see, do you see the object? Even in the galaxy orbits around the sun. But see, now what's happening when it's orbiting around the sun, it's also like turning around. So at one point, like right now, it's daytime when it's facing the sun. I'll just do this for the sun, this for the earth. And as it orbits, it's turning. And then at another point, it's now not facing the sun. It's facing complete darkness until it turns again unto the sun. And then that is considered a day. It's even in nature. And see, the sun doesn't change. It's always there. It's always in its brightness. It's always there. It's the earth that just kind of turns away and has to be turned back again and turns away and has to be turned back again. And like I said, uh, forgive me for the example, but it's the same here with this, with this verse, and I, I wanted to use that to try to communicate this. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It's when the Lord, by His Spirit, turns our heart back again that we discover His mercy anew. We discover His faithfulness anew because we discover the one who is present anew. Anew. Anew unto us, not unto him. He's always there. Remember, he's always there. He doesn't change. He doesn't come and go. No. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was, a, it was a types and shadows and figures and pictures where the God of glory would come in, fill the tabernacle, and then it would leave. Or the cloud would come over and then the cloud would leave. No, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anymore. That's, that's, that's a time that is not present. When the Lord comes in, 
he remains, he abides, he continues. The Lord is in his house. That's why it's called his house. So, uh, verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And then it goes on. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I love that. And just looking out with Abraham, uh, Abram at the time where we're at with our, with our studying in, in Genesis, the Lord promised the land of Canaan as an inheritance to Abraham and his seed but to Abraham and his seed. And see, the inheritance of Abraham, because, listen all this, this verse as well in Hebrews, Abraham did not have any inheritance in the land to call his own. He didn't. He didn't have a plot of land and say, this is my land here. No. And yet the whole land was his inheritance. But what his inheritance was, was the appearing of the Lord in the whole land. That's what his inheritance was. It wasn't so much that he was going to have a plot of land. The believer doesn't inherit his own soul. He inherits, his inheritance is the appearing of the Lord in his soul. Lamentations. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Not that wait for anything less but that wait for him, for a person, for a person. See, we can, we can study and we can read and we are to study, we are to read, but in all of our reading and all of our studying, we can only know about someone. But when God the Father reveals his Son... He reveals a person, a him, not an about, but a him. With God revealing his son, he doesn't reveal a testimony about his son. This is the testimony about his son. We learn about his son from the testimony. And that testimony is to prepare the ground of our heart that our heart would turn to see a him, not a testimony. A person, the real person, the real deal, the him of it. And only God the Father can reveal the person. So, it goes, the, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. And this word wait is Strong's number 6960 it says uh, primitive root to bind together perhaps by twisting that is collective collect figuratively to expect so you can say it's kind of like an expectation the Lord is good unto them 
that wait for him, that have expectation of him, for him to appear, for him, not, once again, not for and about him, or not for what he can do, or not even for what he did, but for him himself. Do you see the difference? Many came to Jesus for what he could do for them. Which is fine. To some degree. But the Spirit of the Lord will not let us settle with that. He will not let us settle for that. Not to come to him for what he can do, what he has done, but to come to him for him to turn their heart for him, to behold the him. Just for him. To abide, listen, in his presence, the word presence, before the face. Just to abide before the face. It is good that a man, uh, or excuse me, the Lord is good, verse 25, still with verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And see, I believe the entirety of the scripture does that one thing, birth in our heart, the expectation, so that we wait for the appearing of him, our soul, that our soul may be seeking the him, the person. And I want to, uh, forgive me, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last class, but this, uh, for the verses that I'm about to look at right here, the word good right here in uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25, where it says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. I love this. See, with the Lord, he doesn't have just it's not just a, a random thing. Okay, I will be good to you or you will see my goodness because you're waiting for me. No, no. With the Lord, there is always an expected end. I mean, he declared it to Abram from the get-go, from the beginning. Come out from unto, unto a land I will show thee. Unto a land I will show thee. When Abram came short of that in his ability, what, listen, what he could do in his effort, just looking at us, in our effort, in what we can do, the Lord's mind hasn't changed concerning his divine expectation for which he created the soul. No. No. The thing is, is that we continue in our steam running and going. And we hit brick walls. Boom, boom. And we get up, fortify ourselves, and run harder. Harder. We run harder. We run faster. We are more diligent. And we still hit the brick wall. Because we go, man goes as far as man can go. And then finally, when we finally come, whether it be like the Apostle Paul did, or just... The, the confession of the Apostle Paul or the, the confession of the Apostle Peter. With Peter, it was, well, if he can't be saved, the rich young ruler, remember? If he can't be saved, what of us? What, what can we do? Or the confession of the Apostle Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, 
when we've gone as far as we can go in our strength, and then we confess, who, 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 who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver what I believe to be my life? Who shall deliver my soul from what I believe to be my life? Who shall deliver me from me? Bless you. The response is what the Lord gave. With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So when we get to that point, and in our study, in our searching, in our reading, it's designed to bring us to that point. Because us, like the children of Israel, we look at the testimony that God presents and we say, I can do that. Or we say, I can see Jesus there. And yet if the Father does not reveal the Son, we've not seen the Son. And then that's when you end up with all these things that aren't working. Well, why isn't it working, Lord? Why in this situation do I always act this way? By default. Why do I always act this way by default? Because I am beholding the wrong man. I'm beholding what I believe to be my life. And yet my life is hidden. And only God the Father can disclose my life, who Christ is. And this is once again for those who are born again. If you're not born again, you must be born again. All right? So uh, back here with this verse. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. God has one expectation. He, the, the testimony is given so that we can wait in expectation for Him. It's one expectation. It's not a, a million zillion expectations. No, it's for one. Right? Now, looking at that term good, it is Strong's number 2896. Um, and it's it has the Strong's definition and there's also other definitions. But what I'm going to do, I'm just going to do a real quick search on that original term. Uh, the original term in the Hebrew is something like uh, Tob, Tob, or Toby, Tobe. Forgive me, I'm, I'm not a, a language scholar here, not even in Spanish. Uh, but just doing a quick search on that original term, the very first mention of that term, and I love this, because God has this one expectation and he doesn't change, our, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't. Our mind changes all the time. You know? Our, we have different concepts. Different thoughts, different views. But see, that's just, my, that's just man, multitude, multitude. It's like confusion, right? The Tower of Babel. Confusion, multitude. With God, it's always one. There's no confusion. It's just one. 
one son, therefore, there's one purpose, one expectation, one discovery. The very first mention of that word is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. I love that. Let's go ahead and read that. Because this will define our passage here in uh, Lamentations. And I, I may have looked at these passages last class. I can't remember, but for some reason, I, they're kind of in my mind that I did. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. The very first mention of that term good. So there's the definition of the word good. Let there be light. God did not create the light. The light was there. Remember? Just in my shallow example with the sun and the earth. The light was always there. The earth was just not facing the light. It was facing darkness. At the moment of new birth, Christ is immediately present, having filled the soul. Every bit and part of it is filled with He Himself. The heart is just looking somewhere else. Therefore, our heart just simply needs to repent, to turn, to turn unto the Lord. But see, only God can cause the heart to turn. Only God can bring about a true repentance. Only God can do this. How I brought thee. Remember back with Abraham? Abram, how I brought thee. And we discover the goodness of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. And God saw the light that it was good. Back to Lamentations. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. With that one expectation, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God exclusively in the face of Jesus Christ. This is good. This is God's good pleasure to reveal His Son who is present in the soul. I love this. God does, God does not change. His divine expectation is the same forever because His Son is the same forever. His Son doesn't change. And in His mercy and ever-abounding grace, He desires 
that our heart and soul would come to know that one, his son who doesn't change. All right. Uh, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and wait and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And uh, I was I was having to get some videos off of my computer to create some space earlier today, this morning and stuff. But uh, I came across this uh, conference and just it, it it like exploded in my heart just reading this. Like verse 26, it says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Well, and uh, well, I won't go into it, but just using that as an example, um, what I was what I was sharing was basically John the Baptist, who is if if you can if you can give the scripture an audible voice, it would have been the voice of John the Baptist, because everything testified up until John. And the summation, listen, the summation of the testimony was this right here. When Jesus goes to be baptized and John says this, it's very specific how it says it. It says, and John looking upon Jesus or looking at Jesus says, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I mean, just so orchestrated by the Spirit of God, you read a couple verses down later on in that passage, and then it says this The next day, John seeth Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, apart from sin, not in relation to sin, but now, unto salvation. Think about it in Hebrews. And to them that look for him shall he appear the second apart from sin unto salvation. Now, when, when at last in the tender mercy and ever abounding grace of God our heart turns unto the Lord, We're not saved at that moment. No, no. Listen, we discover the salvation that has been present since the moment of new birth. We discover, in discovering the Son who is present, we discover the salvation who is present. We discover the life who is present. We discover the light who is present. We discover the wisdom who is present who is present. We discover the knowledge who is present. We discover the understanding who is present. The righteousness. And it goes on and on and on because we discover Him, the Son of God who is present. To them that wait for Him, to them that look for Him, shall He appear. He shall appear apart from sin unto salvation. In the appearing of the Lord, we are experiencing the salvation of our soul. Salvation is present because Christ is present. And I've used this as an example, and forgive me, I know my time is uh, coming to an end here, but um, every, every, um, pretty much every Sunday after our service, we have a meal. 
And at, at some point they say, okay, the meal's ready. It's all here. All you have to do is partake. At the moment of new birth, Christ is present. But how can we partake of the one who's present except we know he's present? And how shall we know he's present except God the Father reveal him? That our heart and soul may discover the one who's present. So, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I'll just go ahead and finish reading this commentary just so I can at least finish reading this commentary. Uh, uh, I'll just start right here. For he did instruct, Abraham did instruct and command his children after him. He did do this to walk in the ways of the Lord, which he had learned from him, which he had learned from the Lord himself. I've got a, a note to look at Genesis uh, 15 so I'm going to go there real quick Genesis 15 verses 5 through 7 yeah oh, look at this this is uh, the Lord well let's start with verse 4 I love this and behold the word of the Lord came unto him saying this shall not be thine heir but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And basically he was saying, uh, a servant in my house is going to be my heir. So the word of the Lord came to him. All right. Verse 5, And he, the Lord, brought Abram forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said to him, So shall thy seed be. The Lord brought Abram forth and said, Now behold the heavens. Can you number the stars that fill the heavens? So shall your seed be. Numberless, countless. The fullness himself that Christ is cannot be numbered. Cannot be measured. So shall your seed be. This is Christ himself. Uh, verse 6 and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Okay. Abraham, uh, where was I? Which he learned from him, the walking in the ways of the Lord. The commentary goes on. But that Abraham did not reject any truth that was revealed unto him and much less seek to take away the life of any person that brought it to him. Basically, I'll just use this in my own words. Once, once Abram, Abram, from where we're at in Genesis, once Abram discovered the whole purpose for which God called him in the first place, he wanted to remain in that purpose. And he would listen. He would easily be rebuked by others regardless 
of who or what it was for one purpose, to bring him back unto serving the purpose for which his soul was created. And I say serving the purpose. How do we serve the purpose for which our soul was created? We continue in the appearing of Christ. Pharaoh rebuked Abram. Do you all remember that? you remember that? In reading it in Genesis? Pharaoh rebuked Abram. And the Lord in his, his divine providence brings Abram back. And I bet you Abram was so thankful unto the Lord for that. Whatever it takes, Lord, just turn my heart again. Whatever it takes that I may continue to walk in this divine expectation. Remember? Leaping forward unto it. Uh, I'll go ahead and finish off. And indeed, not the life of any man that deserved uh, not to die. And our Lord suggests that if... Here's Jesus. He suggests that if, uh, if Abraham had been on the spot now, in the whole context of John chapter 8, he would not have done as his posterity did, posterity did since, he saw, since Abraham saw his day by faith and rejoiced in it. And the thing was, was that Abraham, I think uh, Paul mentions this, in God's mind, in reality, Abraham only had one son, Isaac, because it's a testimony of the father and the son. Now, with man, the way Paul mentions it in a different passage, it says Abraham had two sons, one born of bondage and the other born of a free woman. So I, w- I won't go into that because we're already, we're already late. But forgive me, just scratch that, scratch that. I don't have time to go into it. But just here in, uh, in that whole commentary, in this whole passage, in this whole class, God does not change his divine expectation. He doesn't change it. Uh, I love, loved how he read just in uh, Lamentations. Just Let me see if I can go to that real quick again. Uh, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So I'll just end with that. The Lord has one expectation throughout that is declared, excuse me, that is declared throughout all the testimony, all the scripture to bring us unto his expected end. So with that, I'll just close out this prayer, and, excuse me, close out this class just with a prayer real quick. Um, if the Lord would just do that, use everything at his disposal that the Spirit of God would use everything at his disposal. And I'll just pray that. Lord Jesus, just may your Spirit use everything at your disposal, Lord, that we that we have, that we've studied, that we've read, that we've learned of the scriptures concerning you, Lord. May your spirit just take it and use it to prepare the ground of our heart, Lord. Birth in our own hearts and expectation, Lord, 
that we would not settle for less than what you desire. That we would not settle for less, Lord, but that we would come, Lord God, and behold your goodness in the land of the living, O Lord. That we would behold your goodness, Lord God, in the land of the living. I ask that you would do this by by your spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll let you go for this class. And just once again, uh, just allow the spirit of the Lord to do what he does. Yield to him. Give him way. Give him freedom to do uh, whatever he desires to do. Because what he desires to do, God can only reveal in the person of his son. So, I'll let you go for this class. The Lord bless you, and we'll see you in our next class. Amen.